Harvest Church is a people committed to what? Serving and sharing. So we spent a lot of time on key words like committed and serving. Now we're on the, the, the important part of sharing, our, our how to share Jesus Christ effectively. And so what I want to do, I'm going to review just, and we'll get into some um, new information here. But there are certain principles that I'm going to give you. Um, you know, I gave started with this, and I'm going to start today with something new too, and we'll continue. But how to share Christ effectively. Number one, we said if you esteem something, if you have great regard for it and appreciate it, you will learn to recognize its value, and therefore, you will have a desire to share it with others. Do you remember that? We said you won't share what you don't value and appreciate. We said in order to esteem something or have great, great regard for it or value it highly and appreciate it, you must have knowledge about it. So is it important to have knowledge of God's Word? Yes, it is. In order to esteem God's Word, you must see it as valuable. It's not just a book. It's not just a story. It's God's Word. Bottom line. Amen? Then we said, the next one was how to share Christ effectively. We said to become an effective witness, you must place absolute confidence in the integrity of God's Word. If God says it, is it so? As a Christian, if we say something, should our word be good? Yes, it should. So, in order to become an effective witness, you must place absolute confidence in the integrity of God's word. Once the word is released from a man or woman's mouth, it will enter the heart as surely as sown seed will fall to the earth. That's the part of the miraculous ability of the word of God. It will always go to the heart because that's the proper environment for the Word of God, okay? Now, we, then we also said, you know, a lot of people get nervous about sharing. And uh, when I was young, you know, we're all, we all have insecurities. And I can remember when I was young, my folks owned a, a shoe store. So I grew up in a shoe business and uh, one of the best things, and you've heard me say this before, one of the best things that happened to me as a young person, as a teenager, was my father put me into that store and said, you will sell shoes. You will wait on the public. And I'll never forget, it's just ingrained into my head. The first person I ever waited on, and I can remember who he was, came in and I had, I remember how nervous I was. You know, how insecure I was. You know, a lot of times young people are, and uh, it's funny that a lot of old people are too. It shouldn't be that way. You know, the older you get, you should become more confident in who you are. But I was nervous, and I can remember waiting on this, this young man. Is that your call, ring call? Oh, well. I thought maybe it was a presidential alert. How many of you got that the other day? Trump's in trouble. We better pray, huh? I was so nervous and so afraid, but I got through it. And the more that I did it, the more each person that came through my father's door, shoe store, I became more confident in, in, in working and in, in talking to people and looking them in the eye. 
And I'll tell you what, it's the best life's lesson I ever could have had. But we as people, as Christians, we need to learn how to share Christ. Now, some of us, like, you know, preachers are good. They open their mouth and they just start talking. Some people do not want to share. They don't want to talk. They're nervous about it. But this is what I want you to see. In 1 Corinthians 3, in fact, turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you'll understand this principle, it'll take all the pressure off of you when it comes to sharing Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 6. Just look at verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul. He said this. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God gave the increase. So that takes the pressure off of us when we're sharing the gospel with people. All we need to realize is, I'm planting a seed. I don't have to make them receive Christ. I don't have to get all discouraged and depressed when they walk away and they, they're not born again. All you and I have to do is plant the seed into a person's heart. And then someone will come along and water that seed. And then before long, that person very well could receive Christ, be born again. It's that simple. That's the formula. So don't get all nervous. You know, I, I could never go door-to-door witnessing. Well, you know, I remember doing that when I was young, and I, I don't think all of that is that effective. I think a lot of it gets into works. It's religion. The best way to share Christ is to build a relationship with somebody. And I, I've told you before, you need and I need to have friends that are just no good sinners. Well, it got real quiet. In other words, you don't have to associate. In fact, I'd rather have you not rub elbows with just other believers. You need to be able to meet people from all walks of life, all different cultures, all different backgrounds. And yeah, they might not be, you know, what society would accept. Robert, you better answer that. It might be an emergency. I lost my train of thought. Where was I? You need to have friends that are sinners. Bottom line. Yeah, that's a good. Say that again. Remember Garth Brooks, friends in what kind of places? I've had plenty of friends. And, you know, I get along with people that have friends in low places. That doesn't mean you have to dwell there. No, you need, and you don't have to, but you don't have to act like you're religious and you're better than someone. I come across people all the time, and I can tell right away it's just in me. I don't want to be around that individual. Because they have an elitist attitude. I want to be around people, you know, that are just soul-to-the-earth people. And yes, they're colorful. And yes, their language might not be good. But I know where I stand with that person. Amen? So, Paul planted... Apollos watered, God gave the increase. The one who plants and the one who waters is not responsible for the growth and success. It is God who really makes the seed grow. Say it's God who makes the seed grow. 
It's not our responsibility to bring the increase. It's God's. All you and I have to do is plant water. Amen. And I want you to look at John chapter 4 now, and we're going to go on. Another lesson here. John chapter 4. On how to share Jesus effectively. You and I, this is number three, this is the third one. You and I need to have a personal experience with Christ. Say personal experience. Now, you can grow up. I know a lot of pastor's kids that grow up in a church, and they live off of mom and dad's faith. But there comes a point in your life, your spiritual walk with God, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You and I need to know Him personally. We fellowship with Him. We talk and commune with Him daily. Amen? That is vital. So in order to share Christ effectively, your testimony, my testimony must come from a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So if you're going to, you know, you can go out. There's a lot of people that go out there. How many have you ever had people, Jehovah Witness, knock on your door? And they think they have a, a personal testimony. Usually they don't. I mean, usually it's just rote. They just, they just go off on something. It's not from the heart. But then you can talk to people that, that have had a, a personal relationship with Christ. And it, it's so different. You know, I'll never forget meeting. I've never met anybody famous. How many have ever met anybody famous? I could care less about Hollywood. Who have you met that's famous in the back row by Grandma? Huh? Oh, she went to a concert. Okay. Well, her hand went right up, so I had to acknowledge her. But you meet people that are famous, and I'll never forget, I've, I've met a lot of well-known ministers through the years in the Word of Faith circles, and they've been on television, and two stand out. I met an individual by the name of Jerry Savell. How many of you remember him? He's got a television ministry, a worldwide ministry. He's Good friends with Kenneth Copeland. We had him here back in, in the late 80s, I believe. And uh, it was my job to take him to his motel, take him to a restaurant. And I got to know the man. I got to know his heart. And he was about as, he was a, a body and fender man when he started down in Louisiana. And he was just a good old boy. And he treated me. How many of you know you can be around people and they just treat you right? And he, I felt comfortable with him. And he made me feel comfortable. Here I was a young man just out of Bible school. And here he's been in the ministry, rubbed shoulders with people all over the world. But he treated me with respect. I'll never forget that. Then I met another minister from another country. And I'm not even going to tell you what country, because you might guess who he is. And I'll never forget. And what he, he was a great teacher, boy. He was an older gentleman. He'd been a missionary to India and been all over the world. He'd get up and he could expound on the scriptures and remarkable teacher. But he couldn't talk to you. 
You could, you could be, I, I had to take the man and his wife to the airport. Wouldn't talk. And all he did was this. Because he thought he was going to be late for his flight. And his wife was up front with me and she was getting all fidgety and nervous. And then I got all fidgety and nervous. Because we got to the airport and the road was, was closed. And I had to find a new road to the airport. And here I'm just, I was, I was green as can be. I didn't know my way around Omaha. And I'll never forget, you know, how I felt in his company. So all these years later, I can tell you a lot about Jerry Savelle and how he treated me because I met him personally. And I can tell you a lot about this other man, but I don't talk about him. Because I had an experience. And how many of you have had an experience with a good salesman and a bad salesman? And what do you remember, boy? Well, you remember both. So it's important that you have a, a, a personal encounter. And I'm going to take the time. We might not get through all of this. And there's people here today that, that need to hear this. But I'm going to take the time. Let me look at my... Okay. And I want to read to you um, where the Samaritan woman met Christ. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And you've got to realize she was a Samaritan. They were despised by the Jewish race. They were half-breeds. And I won't go into all the the incidents and that happened that created that rift between these two cultures, these two, two different peoples. But I'll tell you what, you know, most people, instead of going the shortcut to go somewhere through Samaria, they go around. And uh, they wanted, it didn't mean, they still traded with one another. They did business, but they couldn't drink out of the same vessels. It was just, you know, a mess, Okay. And, of course, we know that the Jews were the, the choice, um, you know, people. But this Samaritan woman met Christ. She was a social outcast, and her morals were questionable. How many husbands had she had? Do you remember? Five. And the one she was with. <laughs> so, you know, this woman shows up at the well. At noon. Why do you suppose she showed up at noon? They used to get the water in the morning or the evening, but she was an outcast, so she had to come by herself at noon and get the water. And this account is where Jesus confronts her. All right. And uh, if, you, if you think about this, as I said, a Jew was not allowed to talk to a woman. Now, I don't know if you realize this, the Jews didn't treat their women any better. A Jew could not go on the street and openly confer or communicate with his mother, sister, or daughter. Couldn't talk to them. And to this day, there's still a lot of that. You know, those Middle Eastern cultures are different. Amen? Women complain about America. You don't know how good you got it. Don't hear let me hear a woman complain. Amen? Unless it's my wife. And then I'll have to listen. 
So you think about this that sets you up. Jesus and his disciples are going through Samaria. And let's, let's start with verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now look at verse 4. It says, But he what? What's your translation say? Mine says he needed... He needed to go through Samaria. Now, I, I, I don't think Jesus just woke up one day and said, guys, let's just go and take the shortcut. He was compelled. He was led by the Spirit of God to go through Samaria. And if you think about how Jesus went in and he spent a few days in Samaria, he laid the groundwork. You talk about planting, watering, and increase. You need to realize something. Who was sent after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Who was sent to, America, uh, to Samaria and preached the gospel? Philip, the evangelist. And, it's, and multitudes of people were born again when Philip went and preached Christ. Well, Jesus already did the ground, laid the groundwork. Okay? It's says, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Now, um, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, what? Now, should he have done that, according to the culture? Shouldn't he have talked to this woman? But he did. You know, I'm starting to think, you know, Jesus didn't go by, he just, he went by the Father. He didn't go by all the religious rules and regulations of the day, but he went by the Father's word and he was led by the Spirit. It says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink for me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now he's got her attention. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from, from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now the woman's really interested. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one who you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Now that, supernatural, that was a word of knowledge. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now they go into the whole dissertation on worship. Now I want you to jump to verse 25. It says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, is called Christ, and when he comes, he'll tell, you us all, tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to, to you am he. Now, I want you to understand, many times when Christ dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they said, who are you? Tell us who you are. Sometimes He didn't say. 
But here he's talking with a harlot, a sinner, a half-breed. And he just tells her the truth. I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they what? Marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water part. Now that tells you something. She had to be excited. Because she left her what? Her water pot. Went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. See? That's why the gifts of the Spirit get your attention. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city, came to him, and in the meantime his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to him, to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? <laughs> the disciples, bless their hearts. Therefore, um, it says in 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who receives, reaps, receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows, he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Now, this is what I want you to see in verse 39. We're talking about how to be an effective witness for Christ. Amen. How did we, what was the third thing? Do you remember? We have to have a what? Personal experience. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. Why did they believe? Because they heard her, didn't they? Who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So they heard for themselves. They had a personal encounter. They, they received direct revelation that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ. Not just because of the woman, but because they heard themselves. They received the word of God themselves. They believed the word of God themselves. And that's the important thing I want you to see. We're saying today, it's all about Jesus and how he what? Changed our life. How many can remember when Jesus initially changed your life? When you were born again. You remember? Maybe some of it's, it's been a long time ago. But I can still remember. Because I had a personal encounter. I met the Christ. Then I received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And then my life was changed forever. Amen? Now,
The Amplified says it this way in verse 42. For we have heard him ourselves personally, and we know that he truly is the Savior of the world, the Christ. The Message Bible says, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it and know it for sure. He's the Savior of the world. So if you want to have a more effective witness, then you need to have an encounter with Christ. And, a, and what's really sad is a lot of Christians, there's many backslidden Christians and, and believers today, they don't spend time in this book. Now we're all human beings, and we, we, we cycle, we go up and down, but, you know, as you mature, as you grow older, this should become priority. You can't give out what you don't put in. Say it again. You can't put out and share what you don't put in your heart. And I'm like you, there's days I, I struggle to put in. I just don't feel like it, you know. But you've got to be consistent every day, whether you feel like it or not, because we're emotional human beings, some of us more than others. But you can't live your life by how you feel, because one day I wake up and I feel great. I felt pretty good today. I didn't even know I was going to get Casey's Donuts and McDonald's coffee. That even made it better. And some days I wake up, my body hurts. My brain's not functioning. I look in the mirror. Oh, my God, what happened to me? I'd get the wedding album out and look. You know, we get a picture of her and our engagement pictures. and Man, I've grown older. Brian, do you look the same? But I can't, I can't go by how I feel. And if you don't, if you don't get this word and put it in your heart, and if you don't stand on it every day, you're going to live your life by emotions and feelings, and you're not going to be able to share Christ effectively with anybody. You can share. People are good at sharing their feelings. I don't feel good today. But you and I need to to take time, as the disciples did. They spent time with Jesus. In fact, I'm going to give you one more scripture, and we're going to close there. Look at Acts 4, Acts chapter 4, and then we'll pick up next week and talk more about this again. Spend time with God. Spend time in his word. Then you're going to have something to share. Just like the woman of Samaria, she heard the Christ. She received it. She shared it, but then the others came, and they heard for themselves, and they had their own personal revelation. (coughs) This is where Peter and John are arrested. I don't have time to read it all. But I want you to look at verse 13. They were arrested, brought before the, the, the authorities, the religious leaders. But look at verse 13. It says, Now when they saw, who saw? Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious leaders, when they saw the what? Boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were fishermen, 
they what? Marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus Christ. In order for you and I to share Christ effectively, our testimony must come from a personal encounter with Jesus. And if you don't have a personal encounter with this word every day, you will not be an effective witness for him. I will not be an effective witness for him. And it's not so much that you've got to lead him in so many steps and give him so many scriptures. It's just, my God, some Christians just need to learn how to smile. You get around, I'm a believer. I've been a Christian for 40 years. Whoopie-doo-dah day. I'd rather, I'd rather be around a sinner. At least they're happy. <laughs> Maybe it's not the word they're taking in, but they're happy. And some of us show up on Sunday morning. You wonder, are we even saved or not saved? Or, you know, we need to be happy. We need to learn how to be grateful. We need to learn how to be thankful. We should be doing unusual acts of kindness every day. Not because you have to, it's because you have Christ in you and you want to do it and you and you want to, you know. I I uh, was so privileged and I'm so glad that you know, Abe helped me when we did the funeral for Corey because Corey's family was there and a lot of them were not saved. But you know what? I had a relationship with Corey and he loved me and I loved him. And, you know, I've, I talked with some upper echelon of law enforcement officers recently about him and they just shook their head. And I told one just yes, two days ago I met in the state patrol, I said, yeah, I know, but I said, you know, I had an opportunity to, to be a witness to him. And this guy was a Christian. And he says, well, everybody deserves that. Even the woman of Samaria, even the adulteress, even the harlot, she deserved it. Amen. We're not just supposed to share the word with people we like and love. And there's people out there, I don't care, it's tough my flesh to like them and love them. But we're called to be witnesses. We're called to, be, to share effectively Christ. But you can't do it unless you spend time with the Word, with Jesus. Let's stand on our feet this morning.